Hey everybody, Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. I hope you're doing very well. Let's get ourselves live and uh, up to speed here. I hope you guys are having an exciting day monitoring the media and, uh, you know, map charting. Potentially the end of Western civilization, at least the end of Western civilization as we've know it, known it, as we have grown to love and loathe it. You know, all reasonable things have to come to an end. We, of course, hope that they're replaced by something even more rational, but that's kind of up to us. What can I tell you? That's kind of up to us. And we will see as we go forward just what is happening. So uh, I've got a live stream coming up. I'm really going to overburden you guys with philosophy today. But hey, if it's any consolation, I'm overburdened with philosophy every day. So I just wanted to uh, give you guys the... Um, uh, the heads up that I'm going to do a show after this uh, at 7 o'clock, about an hour 10. I'm going to do this for about an hour. And uh, the great Tommy Sotomayor and I will be solving all the race problems known to man. I think that's pretty much how it's going to go down. That's what he's promised me. So you won't want to miss this. We're going to flow, flow into this, uh, I guess, like a conveyor belt of Oreos or something like that. So we are going to um, get into that. But let's talk a little bit more about what's been going on with everything, uh, well, so far, because, uh, well, it's uh, it's been quite a lot. <laughs> Hello, Sherry from Colorado. Hello, Drunk Shovel. This is the best timeline. It is a very, very exciting. Milanchek says, I'm a Tofudishan, writing from my tent in Tofudishu. My pronouns are Z. Zer, and my address is Tufadishu 106, Poop District. Please send me vegan meat substitute soy latte. Thanks. The best soy latte that you ever had in me. All right. We are. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. I sometimes feel like I just like to set up like the L.A. riots. You know, they just live streamed for what live radioed for hour after hour after hour. No insufferably, insufferably smug pro-Soviets tonight. <laughs> Soviets, I think, is the phrase you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Just noticed, can't wait till the dentist opens back up and get my teeth polished again. <laughs> hmm. A little bit of the old yellow tombstone in the tongue thing. But anyway, let's uh, let's get to it, shall we? Um, really, really great to see all of you guys tonight. And I hope that you are uh, doing well. I hope that you are thrilled, as I am, to uh, to build something better out of the ruins of what is. So this uh, was... Uh, Posted on Twitter, I think it's worthwhile. Of course, you know this uh, uh, this narrative, right? African-American father and husband was shot in the back just for sleeping in a Wendy's parking lot. Outrage! Whoa, that's scary as hell. Why did cops just start shooting at a car in a parking lot? Well, they, they were caught there. What, for a sleeping man in a parking lot? Well, he was sleeping in the drive-thru. He... Just fell asleep while ordering some spicy nuggets? Well, no. He was passed out. So, he was drunk driving? Well, yeah, 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 but he, but he was stopped because he passed out while at the wheel. Yes, but he was still shot in the back while sleeping. Passed out, you mean? Yes. So, the cops just rolled up, sat in the back seat of the guy's car and shot him in the back? N- no, no, they, they woke him up and asked him to pull into a parking spot. And then they shot his car? No, he was outside the car. And they just shot him in the back? No, they spoke with him for about six minutes and asked him to take a sobriety test. And then they killed him? No, you 
He agreed to take the test. And then they killed him. No, he... He took the test and failed. And then they killed him? No, he admitted to... Drinking and was placed under arrest. And then they killed him. No, he resisted arrest. And then they killed him. No, he grabbed a taser and fired it at the police. Then they killed him. Aha! So he wrestled a deadly weapon from the cops and tried to use it on them in order to flee the scene of a crime? It was just a taser, bro! BLM has been telling me for years now that tasers are deadly weapons and should not be used. Yeah, but, 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 so he was using a deadly weapon to escape arrest. Yeah, but, so the cops acted in self-defense. Yes. No, wait. Yes. So the real story is criminal shot dead after assaulting police with a deadly weapon after committing a crime and trying to flee a lawful arrest. Correct? No justice, no peace. Sad but true. And you know this comment about the taser thing? Uh, you know, it's actually kind of uh, kind of important because, you know, when, when we end up getting rid of rationality, like reason and all that kind of stuff, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty bad, right? It, it works out pretty badly from here, right? So you can just make up whatever you want, right? You make up whatever you want and you can just switch... Stories switch. There's no reality, no truth, no God. Like debating with my brother, but um, so as you may know, recently a couple of Atlanta police officers were fired for using a taser because they wanted to get two college students out of a car. They weren't sure if they were armed and so on. Officers were fired because the Atlanta District Attorney's Office deemed the officers' use of the taser was deadly physical force. A taser is a deadly weapon. Ah, but you see, when the black guy who fails the field sobriety test and is deemed driving while intoxicated resists arrest, fights with police, steals the officer's taser, robbery, and es escapes during the pursuit, the suspect turns and fires the taser at the officer's head and was shot and eventually dies. See, when the cops are using the taser, it's deadly physical force. It's a deadly weapon. Ah, but you see, when the drunken suspect shoots a taser at the officer's head, uh, that's bad because now you're using deadly physical force against a taser, which apparently has been rendered harmless through propaganda. <sighs> I really, really don't know how all of this... It's, it's cognitive dissonance. It's something I've, I frankly never understood. Like when something in my head like just doesn't fit together or like there's this cognitive dissonance thing, it really, it's like a splinter in the mind's eye is the old Alan Dean something-something... <laughs> Star Wars Splinter in the Mind's Eye, some Star Wars book I remember reading as a kid. The only sentence I remember from it was that they put some sort of carbine up against a tree and they said, you could go back to that carbine 10 years later, pick it up, and it would still work, much like my moral sense and my willpower. So, um, yes, it, it bothers me. It kind of sits in my head like a splinter in the mind's eye, this cognitive dissonance stuff. Well, that doesn't fit together. That doesn't fit together. So... But most people, it seems, you know, other than you lovely folks, most people just seem to completely shrug off this cognitive dissonance stuff. You know, having to have a rational and consistent worldview was actually uh, one of the great uh, achievements of the 2,500-year history of philosophy. And uh, it all seems to be, uh, just seems to be going out the wayside. New York City Mayor's new test and trace team has been told not to ask people who tested positive for coronavirus whether they attended any demonstrations. 
Isn't that just fascinating? Because, of course, everyone said, well, you can't open businesses. You can't possibly have any church services. I could not go and visit the funeral of my own father, who died during the coronavirus panic. Not, of course, of coronavirus. But, uh, well, I guess his life abandoned him as he abandoned me. But um, you can't go to your father's funeral. You can't meet with friends. You can't, you know, and solitude is as bad as smoking for your health. But you could have all the people in the known universe jammed into a Dostoevsky and postage stamp in space for demonstrations, which, of course, would spread a virus if there was a virus to be spread, as there is. And now, well, don't ask people who test positive whether you attended any demonstrations because, well, you understand. Coronavirus, it's a legitimate threat and I think it's a dangerous thing, but it's turned into everything else in the known universe, which is a methodology by which politicians can do what politicians in general do which is, other than listen to Jared Kushner, politicians use just about everything to punish their enemies and reward their friends. And so that's about it. Listen, I just wanted to mention this because it seems kind of important. This is from the great Rebel News, Rebel News at Rebel News Online. You should check them out. Did you know that a new poll shows 76% of Canadians want total immigration ban? Total immigration ban. Well, of course. Why would Canada want to go from vastly majority white down to 20% minority white in uh, 60 to 80 years. That would not make any sense at all. Uh, because people who are non-whites tend to vote for socialism, and the, so those of us who are against socialism, well, it's sort of an issue. And, uh, I mean, Lord knows enough whites votes for socialism. <coughs> By that, I mean the women. So, But that's just a basic demographic reality. So Canadians are desperate for a total immigration ban. And so we'll see, of course, how well... Democracy functions, you know, in the same way that uh, everyone in America who voted for Donald Trump had an immigration ban forefront in their mind. People who voted for Brexit had an immigration ban forefront in their mind. Turns out, turns out the China virus is able to do the job that American and British and Canadian politicians just won't do, which is actually close the borders, um, mostly to law-abiding citizens. But nonetheless, you take what you can in these crazy days. So that's kind of... Uh, kind of important. Hey, quick question. If you didn't know where this was, where do you think this would be? Yeah, I'm just going to throw up a little video here. I'm sorry for not doing the audio, but uh, I think you all understand why. You all understand why. All right. So let's, let's just have a look here, right? This is what's left of the Minneapolis Sheraton after Black Lives Matter hosted their George Floyd conference there. Look at that. That is full-on Aerosmith in the 70s levels of damage. And... Um, this is why we can't have nice things. You know, we could have we could have had bases on Mars. We could have jetpacks. We could have teleportation. We could have all these cool things. It's a Jetsons world, I was told when I was a, a kid. But now, what do we get? We get this. You know, destruction is the creativity of dumb people, right? Like, people who aren't intelligent destroy things, and it's the closest they get to creating something. They create destruction. That's kind of all they've got. To, uh, to go for. Anyway, I hope they have a security de deposit called Infinity, but uh, of course I very much doubt they do because, you see, asking for a, uh, a uh, security deposit, a safety deposit, uh, it's, well, frankly, it's probably racist, right? It's probably racist. I think we all understand that. So let's look at another fine sign of uh, the health of America and the West as a whole. 
Let's have a look at, yep, here we go. Let's scroll back a little here. Uh, this is uh, Thomas Jefferson. Remember that guy who helped found America and uh, so on? And Thomas Jefferson's uh, statue is being destroyed by uh, this group of uh, uh, mentally challenged uh, individuals uh, who've been propagandized into cheering the end of everything as though they're creating something new. You know, I mean, it's true that you have to destroy an existing building in order to build a new building, but uh, these guys are not architects, right? They're just people destroying stuff because they're stupid and they're propagandized. And that is kind of the way uh, it goes these days. Uh, the warlord from Raz. Raz from Chaz has been caught on video handing out AR-15s to random young activists. Uh, so that's good. You know, i got to tell you guys, I'm not sure if you feel this way. I think I do. That for an autonomous zone, they really do seem to be taking a huge amount of uh, government aid. And, of course, it is the case that the uh, the mayor, uh, what was her name? I kind of, Jenny, 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 uh, Jenny uh, has been handing them stuff from the taxpayer's wallet, as far as I understand it. So, yeah, it is, uh, it's how it rolls, right? Elijah Schaefer says, Chaz is a police state. Leader Raz Simone's crew punched journalist in the head for filming, demanded he hand over his equipment, told him he needed to go into a tent to be interrogated. He ran for his life. They chased him down in a car, and police had to rescue him. I will do a show because I get that there's a certain amount of Schadenfreude. <coughs> Sorry, you can never just speak German normally. Verbüten! Schadenfreude. So there's a certain amount of Schadenfreude, right? Because I'm a voluntarist, I'm an anarchist, and people are saying, dude, how do you like the fact that anarchy's been implemented in Seattle? Why don't you go and visit? Because that's just the anarchy, man. And you're, you're an anarchist, so, so, okay, just making fun of people's voices. Not an argument, however enjoyable it might, might be to do. So I will get into all of that. But that's a little bit specialized. So I will uh, not do it here. Um, but trust me, uh, uh, this, this ain't the anarchy you're looking for <laughs> at all. And uh, it is unfortunately kind of going into the stereotypes of, uh, of anarchy rather than uh, what it actually is. Anarchy means without rulers, not without rules. And we'll sort of get into all of that. So in revolutionary necrophilia terms, we've got anger as remains of soldiers from the Revolutionary and Civil War are dug up and, and they are spilled throughout historic cemetery. Sorry, the Daily Mail has a T-H-E-I-R instead of T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E, but nonetheless, historical cemetery dating back to 1758 holds graves of veterans from the Revolutionary War, Civil War, and World War I. Among those dug up was the grave of 14-month Emma Jane McElmory, who was buried in 1884. Do you feel a little bit like we're living in the biblical times here, like the end times, revelation times? I'll tell you why. Because in the biblical revelation times, it would seem that uh, the dead are going to arise from the ground, Stephen King summoning socialism style. And listen, look, Emma Jane McElmory, that's a pretty white name. I mean, that's whiter than Virginia Dare, and that's a very white name. Vdare.com should check it out. But um, yeah, Emma Jane McElmory... So she may have only been 14 months, but she was privileged to die at 14 months from smallpox or diphtheria or scurvy or whatever it was that killed her at 14 months. She was privileged because, uh, I don't know, we really can't get to that part of the argument because it really doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, uh, that is 
not great. Hey, sorry, just while I'm stuffing some stuff in here, like uh, I'm a man with his first woman, I'm just stuffing stuff randomly all over the place. But let's have a look here because, uh, you know, this Chinese infiltration of American academia, and I assume academia throughout the West, it's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Right from the National Pulse says, U.S. National Institutes of Health fires 54 researchers after 93% failed to disclose links to Chinese Communist Party. Uh, quick, quick question, just for those of you, as I know you are, who hold on to a shred of integrity and decency. Um, 93% of these 54 researchers failed to disclose links to Chinese Communist Party. Why is there a picture of a white guy here? Because <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that some of those researchers may not be of the Caucasian persuasion, but rather of the last two syllables, uh, which is the Asian persuasion. And uh, it seems like uh, that seems a little unfair. <laughs> it seems a little unfair, which I suppose is an advantage, right? Because a little unfair is a, a big step up from most of what it is, which is like extraordinarily rapidly, psychotically unfair, or in a universe where fairness exists about as much as rational arguments from a communist. All right. The New York Police Department, was it yesterday, just disbanded every precinct anti-crime team. These teams historically account for the majority of gun arrests in New York City. Did you know that if New York City were all white, shooting violence would decline what percentage? 98%. If it's any consolation, if it was all East Asian shooting, crimes would uh, d decline even more because East Asians commit even less crime than white people. But... Um, yeah, that's uh, that's the reality. So, yeah, let's uh, get a really, really violent group of people into a place, get rid of the guns. And, uh, and of course, all of this, I did a presentation last year, which was um, the destruction of America's mental health care system. And, yeah, the communists came in and turfed all the crazy people loose on the streets, and that was one of the things that happened, right? So I apologize for retweeting Dave Rubin, who uh, had me on his show and uh, slimed me pretty bad, uh, cut out the part where he agreed with me about IQ, and also retitled it because he wanted to avoid trouble. All right, all right, all right. It's you know, Everybody has their own level of risk or whatever, but his is not particularly high. But anyway, Dave Rubin did retweet this, and this is, um, this is a supermarket, right? This is what uh, is going on in a supermarket. And it doesn't really matter where. It doesn't really matter where, but that is, uh, that is what is going on, right? And... This is just uh, immediate thinking, right? It's immediate thinking, which is, well, look, I can get stuff right now. I can just grab stuff from the supermarket, man, and just grab it, and I'm going to eat today. I'm going to eat well today. I'm going to snack deep and well today, right? And, you know, there's that story that was drilled into me when I was a kid. I really probably shouldn't say drilled into me when I was talking about being a child because I was in boarding school, but... There was a story which was, don't kill the goose that lays the golden egg, right? Which was all the people, the goose lays a golden egg every day. They've got all this gold, and then they open up the goose with a chainsaw because they want to get all the gold inside, and of course they kill the goose, and then they don't get any eggs anymore, right? So this is the situation with regards to coming in and just going on a shark-based feeding frenzy for all of the stuff you can grab in the moment. 
It is just living in a blur of the moment, no sense of consequences, no sense of where food comes, no sense of the extraordinarily complex and deep realities of how stuff gets to a store. You know, there's the supply chains and the whole profit motive and the invisible hand and all the delicate machinery of what's left of the free markets and so on. Just grab stuff and you can stuff your face while you're in the parking lot and then tomorrow you'll come back and there'll be no store and it's like, hey, I'm hungry. What can you do? Well, you can keep pointing it out, I suppose, right? But that's pretty much about it. Now, this one, this one's quite interesting. This one is quite interesting. And we could do a whole show on this, but uh, I'm pretty sure the implications will be fairly clear to you, my brilliant audience. So... um, the Ghanan minister has invited African-Americans to resettle in Africa if they feel unwanted in the U.S. The debate about race following the killing of George Floyd has reverberated across the Atlantic Ocean, spurring the tourism minister of Ghana to appeal to its diaspora, including in the U.S., to, quote, leave where you are not wanted, end quote, and return home. The c- a ceremony marking the death of Floyd was held, blah, 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 during which Barbara Otengiasi made the plea that her country is open to those fleeing racial tensions. Quote, we gather in solidarity with brothers and sisters to change the status quo. Racism must end. We pray and hope that George Floyd's death will not be in vain, but will bring an end to prejudice and racial discrimination across the world. We continue, she said, to open our arms and invite all our brothers and sisters home. Ghana is your home. Africa is your home. We have our arms wide open, ready to welcome you home. Please take advantage. Come home. Build a life in Ghana. You do not have to stay where you are not wanted forever. You have a choice, and Africa is waiting for you. Ghana is in the region at the hub of the transatlantic slave trade, and in 2019 it marked the 400th anniversary of the first documented arrival of slaves from West Africa in America with an initiative called Year of Return. The economy got a boost as people flocked to the country for a number of cultural events, such as the music festival Afrochella. Coachella? Afrochella. Um, I guess Kaepernick's hair would be the lord of that dance to mark the anniversary. So this really is something. She says, oh, CEOs of Ghana's tourism authority said, we feel that given the wealth that African-Americans and black Americans have, given that spending power, travel budgets of blacks in America, we felt that it's about time that we start the conversation that instead of moving to any other destination, come back to where you came from. That is really something. I'm curious. So I guess I would ask you guys, like, if you were, if you're whatever race you happen to be, would you like to move to a homeland, which is where your ancestors came from and where you would be in the vast majority in your race. And uh, so would you like to go and help your brothers and sisters and help bring them along? Because, you know, the blacks in America are the wealthiest blacks in the world. And, of course, they've been in the receiving end of um, hundreds of billions of dollars in aid through welfare and Section 8 and SNAP. Of course, whites have received that too, but um, a lot of it has gone to blacks. So they have a a fair amount of education and wealth and so on. What would you do? Where would you go? Now, if, of course, I doubt anybody will from America go, and it's not like they should go or anything like that. I'm just kind of curious. If it's so horrible in America and you have this place in Ghana that is going to offer you refuge and offer you, I guess, instant um, citizenship and so on, because America was founded by people fleeing persecution, right? From It wasn't like people just loved that month-long voyage um, from... I don't know, say Dover to New York City, they were fleeing persecution and going to build a new, to a new land to build a new life. 
and that's the basis of America, uh, I wonder how many people of African descent will decide to return back home. It's not their home anymore. I understand that, of course, right? But, you know, this is the, the home of their ancestors, the home of their origin. How many will decide to return? And if they don't decide to return, why would they... Uh, so why would they? Why would they stay? Could could be lots of reasons, right? Could be lots of reasons. But I'm guessing that a lot of them won't leave uh, because it's um, uh, uh, staying and yelling uh, racism probably going to make them a whole lot more money as a whole than going to Ghana, right? Uh, whatever you subsidize, you get more of. Whatever you tax, you get less of. And so if you end up um, uh, taxing people who you call racist and then subsidizing people who get to call them racist, all you're doing is paying for there to be more and more racism, right? Racism is not a problem to be solved. It's a moral crusade to be weaponized. All right, so this is... Uh, sorry, let me just get the, the comment here. Oh, where did you go, my Mr. Scrollbar? Where did you go, my Mr. Scrollbar? Let's see. Uh, it just stopped being able to scroll, didn't it? Oh, isn't that excellent? All right. Can we go up? Can we go down? No? All right, let's try refreshing it. Don't you panic, my babies. We will get it back. There we go. Let's refresh it. Man with MAGA hat holding America fa- America American flag is inside hashtag Chaz, right? He's holding a flag. Shouldn't be a big, uh, any big uh, issue, right? He's just got a flag. And, you know, you can go to Europe with a flag. You can go to Little Italy with an American flag. You can take an Italian flag to... Uh, France and, and hold it, and nobody's going to give you any particular grief. Uh, and, um, yeah, he's just taking an American flag onto what is, in fact, maybe conquered territory, but it is technically American soil. And uh, he's got that flag there, and that's uh, what he's uh, what he's doing. And uh, yeah, seems to be a bit of tension there. Uh, and uh, we'll see what goes on as this story uh, unfolds. So uh, we'll uh, we'll jump back to this one in a little while. Just giving you a little bit of teaser here, a little bit of of teaser here, and just again putting things in perspective, right? Putting things in perspective. We want uh, everyone of every race and ethnicity to do well and to be in possession of the facts, and be in possession of the facts, right? So, oh yeah, okay. Well, let's get to that. Let's get to that in a little bit. Seems to have given me the wrong. I'm sure that's not. I'm sure that's uh, my issue. Isn't that interesting? Okay, well, we might as well do this one right now. So I did uh, point this out. I really wanted to get this idea. So if you've ever been in a an abusive relationship, then whether it's your parents, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, it could be a sibling. 50% of sibling relationships are abusive. But if you've ever been in an abusive relationship, abusers will always say the same kind of thing, right? So they'll say, well, my aggression is your fault. You triggered me. It's your fault why I got angry. You said this. You did that. That's why I got angry. And therefore, since you are the cause of me being angry and I am the mere victim of whatever you did that caused me to become angry, you have to change your behavior so that I become less angry and less violent, right? And uh, that's the equation of abusive relationships, right? And, and if you put any responsibility on me, say the abusers, I will continue to escalate my abuse. So 
because you're the entire cause of my anger and my abuse and my rage and my violence, you have to change your behavior. If you try to put any responsibility for me on me to control my temper, I'm going to get more angry, more violent, and more abusive. I don't need to change, say the abusers, only you do, right? And this is what abusers in abusive relationships will always they don't take any self-ownership. They just put the entire onus for their violence, their locus of control shift to other people, and they don't have to change. And there are a lot of minority activists, and I'm not really putting this East Asians in this camp, right? I have a lot of black and Hispanic activists who basically say the same thing, which is, uh, well, the only reason why my particular group gets angry and violent is because of everything you're doing. And we have no responsibility for it. You have to change your behavior. You have to take the knee. You have to apologize. You have to pay reparations. You have to let your statues get torn down. You have to change everything about what you do. And that's the only way I'm going to become less violent. And if you put any responsibility on me, I'm going to escalate my abuse. I don't need to change. Only you do. And once you've changed sufficiently, I will then grace you with a nonviolent interaction and so on. Uh, it never works. But if you really sort of understand this pattern it's fairly clear to see that we are kind of in uh, an abusive uh, relationship with, uh, again, some wonderful members of the black community. I just had a uh, really, really great chat, two and a half hour chat yesterday, two days ago, sorry, with a black woman uh, who was uh, talking about her dating life and some of the horrors she'd experienced as a child. She was sexually abused. She, uh, her mother put her up for sale and so on. And that's, uh, that's pretty that's pretty bad. So she's reaching for the stars and she's trying to have a better life and, you know, more power to her and so on. But the activists are pretty, pretty bad, right? So Richard Brooks, right, the fellow who was shot uh, after he tried to taste the cop at the Wendy's, his criminal history includes multiple violent felonies. This is from Mike Cernovich. The media isn't reporting on this, so he had to pull the case history himself. This explains why the police called for backup. The media left some pretty huge details out of this story. So what's he got going on? So he's got felony cruelty to children, battery, family violence, false imprisonment. It's like a kidnapping, I think. Violent felonies going back years, including beating his family and his kids. But yeah, I can't imagine my officer called for backup and didn't just let him go with a taser on him, right? So you can look at this. Um, wait, where does it start here? Uh, yeah, that's tw uh, 2010, obstruction of officer. Uh, HOV lane violation, obviously not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, battery, family violence in 2011, and um, theft by Rex Street, felony cruelty, interference with a customer, I guess, false imprisonment, obstructing an officer, felony cruelty, false imprisonment, theft by something, something, uh, simp bat fam, uh, and false imprisonment, and uh, yeah, just kind of goes uh, goes on and on. And uh, that's pretty horrendous, right? That's pretty horrendous. Somebody down here says, how, how badly does one have to beat their kids to get seven years? Did he get seven years? Is that what someone's saying? And, um, you know, they're still looking to find their hero who just mysteriously dies at the hands of cops um, who doesn't have this kind of history. It, and of course, you know, and once he was found, see, if you're asleep in your car, this is what Mike Cernovich was saying, right? So if you're asleep in your car and you're drunk uh, across every state in the U.S., you will still be charged with a DUI because it doesn't matter that you're asleep in your car. It doesn't matter anything like that. I mean, you're just going to get hit with a DUI. So given his history and all of that, and had he been drinking so long that he'd started drinking at his daughter's eighth year birthday party? I mean, who knows, right? Well, I guess somebody will know someday, but by then um, America will be in flames and it won't really matter anymore. Um, but, 
yeah, this is the uh, it's just the reality of what people are are doing. Hey, I wanted to mention this. I've been talking about this for a while. Lisa Britton uh, pointed this out. According to research, women's happiness has declined over the past 35 years. Women are not as happy as they used to be. Thoughts and the paradox of declining female happiness. This is the only time when females are paradoxical. So by most objective measures, the lives of women in the United States have improved over the past 30 years. Yet we show that measures of subjective well-being indicate that women's happiness has declined both absolutely and relative to men. The paradox of women's declining relative well-being is found across various data sets, measures of subjective well-being, and is pervasive across demographic groups and industrialized countries. Relative declines in female happiness have eroded a gender gap in happiness in which women in the 1970s typically reported higher subjective well-being than did men. These declines have continued, and a new gender gap is emerging, one with higher subjective well-being for men. Our findings raise provocative questions about the contribution of the women's movement to women's welfare and about the legitimacy of using subjective well-being to assess broad social changes. Yeah. What do you guys think? Why are women getting so unhappy? Why are they so miserable? Well, that's one question. The other question is, given women's predilection for generally admitting that they were completely wrong about something, is there any possibility of change? occurring, right? So men, basically, men can live without children much better than women can. Men can live without personal relationships much much better than women uh, can. Women are sort of evolved for nurturing and for um, uh, uh, um, creating a social web and neighborhoods and and being part of a community and a family. And and women live for, in general, those horizontal peer-to-peer and parent-to-child relationships. And we know this because women go into things like STEM when the families are desperate for money, as wealth increases and economic opportunities increase, women abandon working with things and prefer working with people. You know, the teacher and the nurse and, and uh, uh, doctor and uh, psychologist. And, right? So women like to work with people, and modern society is unbelievably atomistic. It is unbelievably isolated. Now, men can kind of handle that isolation better than women can. And um, so, yeah, it's absolutely... Uh, brutal modernity is absolutely horrendous on women. And of course, a lot of it has to do with diversity, right? So this is back to the studies called Bowling Alone, wherein the researcher who sat on these results for five years or so, because he was so appalled, uh, these um, uh, he, he pointed out that diversity destroys social trust in neighborhoods, and you just can't, uh, you can't just have your kids roam around and play, right? So here we go. Let's look at, um, this is from Maxine Bernstein. Uh, this is uh, Beach location, th- uh, Southwest 3rd Avenue, just south of Yamhill, fire blazing, crowd gathering. So you remember that Star Trek future we were promised, you know, we're going to have uh, teleportation and spaceships and travel through the planets and through the stars and all of that. Well, um, we might have taken just a little bit of a left turn on the way to a future of peace and plenty. And uh, it's, very, it's very sad. I mean, I, I, I can't dwell on it too much because the sort of hope of my youth and what I believed we were building towards, if I start to get into that, um, that's pretty, pretty horrendous. Um, I wanted to point, since I did talk about Officer Dorn, I wanted to remind everyone, of course, of this particular issue as well, which is... Um, 
Uh, this is from Detectives Endowment Association. The thoughts and prayers of NUC, NYC detectives are with the family and friends of Officer Julian Keene Jr., who was shot and killed as he attempted to stop an armed hit-and-run suspect while off-duty. A true hero, he gave his life to protect others. We will never forget. I mean, this is, this is a hero. I mean, this is a very, very brave man, particularly these days, and uh, it is uh, an absolute savagery, an absolute savagery and this is really really important now um here's something that's also quite interesting going back to uh, newsweek which is uh i mean obviously fairly trashy but uh newsweek um well they have talked about iq right they've talked about the iq of nations so i guess props to them where props is due and uh i guess they also published Jeff- jeffrey tucker if i remember rightly all right so let's go to our newsweek because as you may have remember there were of course a lot of celebrities and so on who gave huge amounts of money, encouraged everyone to give huge amounts of money to bail out these protesters, right? As if protesters go to jail. Protesters don't go to jail. You got to do something other than protest to go to jail. The Minnesota Freedom Fund faced a social media backlash after it revealed on Twitter that it had spent about $200,000 to bail out protesters, despite receiving millions in donations in recent weeks. Well, oh well, oh well. Um, What was the ratio here? It was really quite something. Yeah, there we go. The MFF has collected $35 million in donations, according to what people say, in recent weeks. $35 million in donations, $200,000 in spend. So that's $34.8 million of profit. And people wonder why everybody screams racism. What was it? Uh, George Floyd's family is up to $15 million or something like that. It's quite wild. It's quite wild. And um, yeah, as long as people just keep pumping money at this kind of stuff, uh, you're just going to get more of it. By the way, freedomain.com forward slash donate if you'd like to pump some money at stuff like philosophy and help the world out that way. All right. So this uh, lunatic, the Palmer Report, right? This is pretty wild. Amy Curtis says, by guns and ammo, they're coming for you. So dehumanization of political differences, dehumanization of political opponents is foundational to the promotion of mass political terror, right? This Palmer report. People who promote the racist propaganda and hate speech on OANN are dangerous thugs. They have no place in respectable society. Blah, 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 blah. It's time to acknowledge that conservatism isn't just some political view. It means you're the very bottom rung of society, dangerous and deranged. Some conservatives are trying to become better people. Great. But people who flaunt their conservatism are psychotic. Are psychotic. He says, we should rehabilitate any conservatives who are willing to try. We should pay for them to undergo therapy and retraining so they can understand the world around them. But first, we must get them out of positions of influence because they're infringing on the rights of others. Now, this is, you know, the struggle sessions. This is straight up Chairman Mao shit, right? This is unbelievably horrendous stuff that this guy... He said, we shouldn't be cold-hearted about this, but having a conservative as a police officer, for instance, isn't much different from having a KKK member as a police officer. It's just not something that a civilized society can ever, ever tolerate. Just absolutely appalling. Yeah, buy guns and ammo. They're coming for you. I mean, if this guy gets his way, I mean, this this is re-education camps. This is gulags. This is the straight-up stuff that uh, I've been warning about everyone about for just an enormous, enormous amount of time. And I hope people are going to wake up to this before 
uh, it becomes either A, deadly, or B, too late. Uh, British media. Trust in UK media has collapsed to among the lowest in the world. Only 28% now trust the media most of the time, compared with 50% in 2016. Trust in the BBC, from some, has collapsed 20 points since 2018. Uh, but you're still forced to pay for it, right? That's the reality. You're still forced to pay for it. The BBC is funded by a coercive license fee, just as the Canadian media here also is funded. Um, some of the Canadian media here is funded with coercive fees. And, uh, of course, uh, Justin Trudeau has... Uh, poured millions of dollars into um, this. Oh, and please don't forget to like and subscribe and share and all that kind of good stuff. If you wouldn't mind, I would really, uh, really appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so the media, um, using the government to fund education, using the government to fund media is just about the worst and most destructive decisions that the West has ever made. And um, it's uh, once once you start paying for media, uh, then uh, it's just absolutely, absolutely brutal. Uh, Steve Scalise has, has tweeted, just sent letters to the Democrat governors of New York, New Jersey, California, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, demanding they explain why they ignored protocols and forced COVID-19 patients into nursing homes. Families who lost loved ones deserve answers. The tragedy was avoidable. So here's, here's an important thing, right? Here's an important thing to remember. This is really, really key in your life, right? So listen, we all make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. And I think it's important to recognize your mistakes, to, to learn to do better. But for God's sakes, don't be manipulated by your mistakes. Don't be controlled and bullied by your mistakes. And um, yeah, that's really, really uh, important. So every time or any time that you think you've made a mistake, you know, like, I don't know, a month or two ago, I uploaded a, a, um, uh, a video where the audio from me and the conversation was left and right ear separated, right? And that's because I was listening to my, my system was set up to listen through mono. I didn't notice it. But anyway, okay, it's a little mistake, right? Oops. And, um, but if you've not made the kind of mistake where, say, 10,000 people have died because you forced nursing homes to take COVID-positive patients, so people going to nag at you about your mistakes. Um, if you haven't made a mistake that's resulted in the deaths, if it was even a mistake, of about uh, you know ten thousand people or more uh, dying. Well, that's um, that's kind of important, right? So do not let yourself be bullied by your mistakes. I assume I'm gonna. I genuinely assume and generally believe. And after fifteen years of doing this, I have good reason to that the majority of my listeners are very honorable and decent people. And so we're like, oh, mistakes, oh, mistakes are bad, and all that. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty bad, right? Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, she was a famous actress when I was a kid, right? But um, Beijing says COVID-19 situation is extremely severe as a new cluster has emerged. And uh, a city official warned that the novel coronavirus situation in China's capital is extremely severe as 27 new infections were recorded on Tuesday. It comes amid fears of a second wave after an outbreak was linked to a large wholesale food market in the city. Beijing also banned outbound travel of high-risk people and suspended some transportation services out of the city. I got to tell you guys, 27 new infections. I'm no epidemiologist, but it seems like that is uh, not a very good, uh, not a very high number. Not a very high number. Okay. Got another maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, I will, um, I'm going to, we're going to do a live stream, Tommy and I. So bring your questions there and I hope you'll stick around. It'll be a very, very interesting show. He's a really, really exciting uh, thinker. So... 
uh, let's talk to uh, let's talk about NBC News. Uh, this has been a pretty wild development that just happened before I came to a live stream tonight. So uh, I'm not going. You know, let me introduce you to a little fellow I call Yelly Steph. So uh, um, if you're at work, put on some headphones. But um, so Google has banned the website Zero Hedge from its ad platform over comments on protest articles. A Google spokesperson said in an email that it took action after determining the website violated its policies on content related to race. So that's really, really interesting, right? So um, Zero Hedge, uh, I've gone there occasionally. It's an interesting site. I mean, stuff. some stuff seems pretty far out there to me, but, you know, I'm sure some of my stuff seems pretty far out to people, but... Uh, I'm sorry, I can't get this one to scroll. Google has banned Zero Hedge, a far-right website. See, that? now that's just, come on. Um, anybody who questions leftist stereotypes and falsehoods, uh, we're not far-right. People call me far-right. They call me a white supremacist. They, uh, they call me a cab. Uh, it's all nonsense, right? I'm simply dedicated to the truth, reason, and evidence as far as it will take me. But, uh, yeah, far-right, of course, they can just call you a far-right website uh, because that gives you the Nazi imagery and it gives you all of that. Um, Google has banned Zero Hedge, a far-right website that often traffics in conspiracy theories, right? So this is uh, from Adele Momoko Fraser. And so this is, they can't let you just judge the information based on its merits. They cannot possibly let you just judge the information based on its merits. So they have to tell you that Zero Hedge, a far-right website that often traffics in conspiracy theories. Now, the phrase conspiracy theories after the Russia... Trump collusion conspiracy theory that tore America apart for two and a half years, which was massively promoted by mainstream media, turned out to be completely false. So that has been the very biggest and most destructive conspiracy theory uh, in modern American history. You really could say the case that through all American history, the most damaging and destructive conspiracy theory has been the Russia-Trump collusion conspiracy theory. But of course, nobody would ever say or at least nobody in the mainstream media would ever say, NBC News, a far-left website that, oft, that, that has trafficked in the most toxic and dangerous conspiracy theory and destructive conspiracy theory ever to exist in America, blah, 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 right? They just, so they have to condition you for a negative view before they give you the facts, right? So Google has banned Zero Hedge from, from its advertising platform over policy violations found in the comments section of stories about recent Black Lives Matter protests. Google also issued a warning on Tuesday to the Federalist over comments on articles related to recent protests. A Google spokesperson said in an email on Monday that it demonetized the websites after determining they violated its policies on content related to race. We have strict publisher policies that govern the content ads can run on and explicitly prohibit derogatory content that promotes hatred, intolerance, violence, or discrimination based on race from monetizing. When a page or site violates our policies, we take action. In this case, we've removed both sites' ability to monetize with Google. After the publication of the story, Google backtracked Tuesday, which, uh, which is today, clarifying that the Federalist still had been, had been warned about policy violations but still had time to address them. It now has three days to remove the violations before a ban goes into effect. We have strict publisher policies that govern the content, right? Promotes hatred, intolerance, violence, or discrimination based on race from monetizing. Quick question. Does Google allow websites that promote the race-hatred conspiracy theory called institutionalized white racism, institutionalized white privilege, white privilege as a whole, does Google demonetize any websites that promote negative views of whites or collectivist negative views of rights? 
of whites. Well, uh, of course not, right? So this is not something, this is what racism, it just means anti-white. It doesn't mean anti-negative judgments of a race as a whole. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, that's, uh, it's not a fair. And here's a funny thing too, I'm funny slash horrifying in a way, but here's the funny thing too, which is, so uh, Google, as you know, has immunity from lawsuits for content because they say, hey man, we don't, we don't create the content, right? We don't create the content. We just, uh, you know, in Google Plus or Google owns YouTube and so on. So they say, we don't, we, we don't monitor, we don't have any opinion on, we don't put our fingers on the scale with regards to content. Therefore, we're immune from lawsuits regarding content, right? Because, I mean, we didn't write it ourselves. It's just, it's just on the platform. And, and we just have a platform and we're not responsible and we can't possibly be held liable or face any negative consequences for what people post on our platform because we don't control that, right? It's a zero hedge or the Federalists, do they control what people post in their comment section? No. I mean, I'll sometimes get people saying, hey man, this was posted on something, something uh, to do with you and what do you think of people? It's like, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if people, I mean, you can just create an account Right? This, is, this is how things could play out, right? You could just, you're a far-left activist, far activist, and you, you set up some place where you can't be traced, you know, Telegram or, or Wicker or whatever, right? So you, you set up some place where you can't be traced. And what you do is you say, hey, we're going to go and swarm this article, and we are going to post the most horrible and offensive and outrageous stuff. They can't possibly keep up with it all. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take screenshots and we're going to send them to uh, reporters and then those reporters are going to contact uh, Google or other places and say, my God, do you, do you see what's being hosted on these websites? Do you see these kinds of horrible, horrible statements and so on? This is why you can't be held liable for what goes on in your comment section because you don't know if it's authentic or if it's some kind of booby trap that's been set there by the far left or the far right or whoever, right? So, um, yeah, this is pretty, uh, this is pretty wild, right? Uh, Google's ban comes after the company was notified of research conducted by the Center for Counter Countering Digital Hate, a British nonprofit that combats online hate and misinformation. Whew, crazy. Crazy. Imran Ahmed, CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate, said it found advertisements for many companies that had otherwise made public statements supporting Black Lives Matter and the recent protests running on the websites. Hmm. That is interesting. That is interesting. Where does this go from here? Well, of course, America's had the presidency, the Republicans have had the American presidency for uh, four years, and uh, they've had the Senate for a while, they've had the Congress for a little less, of course, and they haven't done anything about it. They haven't done anything about it. And it's too late now, right? So there's going to be a massive deplatforming. And uh, we'll see. And this is one of the reasons why I don't take ads and have never taken ads, not from anyone, because I want to be responsible to you guys. I want to tell the truth to you. I want to be there for you, not in the business of delivering you to the advertisers. So yeah, an NBC reporter who's now deleted this tweet, I think, has, has thanked too far left wing activist groups for the collaboration in getting the Federalist banned from uh, Google. And uh, it's uh, really, it's really bad. 
It's really bad. Now, the Federalist, um, this is from Mark Bednar. This is worth uh, talking about. The Federalist has called out NBC a bunch of times, right? And, and you know, reporters generally are extraordinarily unwell mentally, right? Sociopathy is very, very high in the profession of being a reporter. So they don't tend to take criticism very well, right? Mark Bednar has pointed out NBC doesn't like it when the Federalist calls them out. They Chuck Todd, Chuck Todd faceplants with deceptive video of William Barr. NBC lies about Trump's coronavirus response. NBC writer claimed Trump rejected Native American Heritage Month. It was a lie. NBC used News' Winter Olympics coverage to broadcast North Korean propaganda. Right? So, yeah, of course, right? They, they wait and they wait in line. They wait in, in patience. And then who knows? You know, will, will we ever find out where these comments came from? Well, probably not, right? You just create some VPN and some anonymous account and then just post, post, post. Oh, look at how terrible these comments are. You can't believe you, 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 can't believe you people allow this to blah, 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 right? So, yeah, it's absolutely, uh, absolutely brutal. Has everyone donated to Steph yet? Yeah, it wouldn't hurt, man. Wouldn't hurt. Um, it's going to be an exciting year. It's already been the most brutal 18 months in the entire history of the show. I'll get into this one day. One day. I will uh, lift the whole kimono and show you the battle scars underneath, but it's been unbelievably brutal. And uh, we still got a ways to go. <laughs> so, and of course, so the goal, of course, as well, through this process, right? You understand how this plays out, right? I can just uh, close up here. So the goal of demonetizing sites based upon the comment section is so that these sites will shut down the comment section. And that is a way of shutting down the robust debate. And it's also a way of having people feel like they are uh, isolated in their beliefs, right? So if you can break up communities, if you can break up families, if you, can, if you can break up communities, then you gain a lot of power because atomized individuals can't stand against a mob, right? There's an old line, line about, like, why do you read? I read to know that I'm not alone. I read to know that I am not alone. And it's one of the reasons I talk about my life, my personal life, my thoughts, feelings. I've even done analyzed my dreams on the show. I don't want you guys to feel like you're alone. We're all thinking things that are politically incorrect. And we're all at risk. Uh, and we are all having our freedom of speech curtailed, not legally, but consequentially. And, and that's, you can't really fight back against that very hard. Uh, other than, you know, by donating, freedomain.com forward slash donate or other places you find doing a great job. But the point of destroying the comment section for websites and all the websites now that post anything that's not leftist or is skeptical of the left or anything like that, they're all sitting there saying, oh, man, we got to turn off comments, right? Because that way people then feel more isolated, they feel more alone, and they're easy to plow under with the collectivist hysteria of the mob. So it's not good. And uh, this stuff, uh, unfortunately, will not be ending um, anytime soon and it certainly won't be ending uh, sadly all too peacefully so all right so stick around i am going to set up my um, live stream with tommy sotomayor and uh, we will uh, be taking your questions having some comments and uh, really really do appreciate you guys dropping by it is a great great pleasure and um I will uh, just, I'll play my little outro here. Uh, hang tight. We'll be back soon. And I'm sorry I didn't get time for your questions today, but there was quite a lot uh, to, uh, to go through. And uh, let's see if we can uh, find some graceful way out of this. I'm still working on this intro, outro stuff. But uh, let's play this and uh, see how it goes. Thanks, everyone, so much. Lots of love from here. I'll talk to you soon.